I, I didn't meet any of those. Yeah. All these. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Become an oil. <laughs> <laughs> so really, yeah. They're not becoming oil. <laughs> but their remains are in the atmosphere and maybe some of it in some of the tuna that you eat sometimes. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> have not been here together in two months to record a new show. Oh yes, that is true. We have been on in hiatus. I'm going to blame the, the Christmas break and... No, I have no excuses. <laughs> Life just got really busy. The last podcast, our Oil Spectacular, we recorded in November. And now it's January. It's coming out in January. And this new episode we're recording in January. So in that time, since our last podcast, there are developments in what we were talking about for that podcast. That is true. Okay, so one development is that there has been a Paris Climate Accord and um, many, 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 well, majority of the countries in the world uh, have agreed to try to limit greenhouse uh, gas emissions. So the global average temperature doesn't go beyond 1.5 degrees. Mm -hmm. And we have to make drastic changes to our lifestyle in terms of how we heat our homes, how we uh, commute in order to reach that goal. Which means the age of the oil is probably running out, uh, hopefully. And um, you know, after you're done making money in your own basement, it may not be a great <laughs> idea to move over to mine. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, now we have all sorts of different uh, options. You know, nuclear is making a resurgence. Solar and wind are getting you know, cost-effective. With solar and wind, um, you know, you have to worry about the fact that when the sun is shining, um, the demand may not be highest. Mm. So when um, there's excess electricity, you have to be able to store it. Right, and for, uh, when, for when the wind isn't, you know, uh, blowing and when the sun isn't shining, right? Right. And uh, I guess Tesla's working on some sort of smaller batteries for the home. Yes, and I think the idea is that you can use that to charge your um, uh, car, mm -hmm. and you can charge the battery when the prices are lowest. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so the cost of battery is also coming down. So not only are, you know, cost of solar and wind coming down, but the battery costs, or at least the storage costs, are coming down. Right, which will certainly help the situation. Oh, yes, yes. So I'm also reading a book on Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. It's a pretty interesting book. Uh, it details his life from early childhood in South Africa to where he is today. And... Um, uh, and of course, Elon Musk is the CEO of uh, Tesla. Mm -hmm. He's um, a big reason why electric cars are making a resurgence. It's it's a good book. I would recommend it. You know, it's um, it it's very inspirational because he has uh, been in very difficult situations a number of times and found a way to not only come out but come out ahead. Right. Then you know where he was going in. A true mark of an innovator. Mm hmm. Yes. So why don't we uh, kick off the show and let's level up. Okay, let's, let's level up. 
Um, ben, I think um, in terms of leveling up, you've done a lot more of it than me. <laughs> so what happened to you in the last two and a half months? Well, part of the delay in getting this podcast out to you was uh, that I got engaged in that time frame. Yay! High Yay. five! Woo. <laughs> Insert sound effects here. <laughs> so th- that's that's a important part of your life, right? Yeah. Um, I'm on my way to actually getting married. So this girlfriend that we've been talking about in some episodes is now a fiancé? Yes, she's not my girlfriend anymore. Oh. Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Interesting. In fact, you can argue that she hasn't been my girlfriend for a long time because we were in a committed relationship. Oh, is that what that, what yes. that means? We were we were partners. Once you commit, even if you haven't gone through the engagement, you no longer use the girlfriend and boyfriend terms. Girlfriend and boyfriend is, is more sort of kind of a courting term, I guess. I see, I see. So you, you sort of see someone, then they become your boyfriend, girlfriend. I see. And then you become partners, and then you become engaged. And then you get married. So there, there's a whole nuance to the terminology. Right. So she may not have been happy to be called girlfriend even before the engagement is what you're telling me. It's like, you know, there's cerulean and cyan and navy. It's just blue. Ah, I had no idea what you were saying, actually. I didn't know those were colors. <laughs> yeah, so there's a nuance to, to the shade, right? Right, right. Uh, so yeah, we, we got engaged and, you know, it's been an exciting time and it's been a whirlwind of sort of letting everybody know and then pushing into Christmas with all this news and excitement. One thing that really surprised me, I guess I never really noticed, but when you tell people that you've been engaged, mm-hmm. the response is, how did you do it? You know, they're, they're excited for you and everything, but they really want to know, well, how did this proposal happen? Right. Uh, I mean, I think it's something that um, crossed my mind as well, right? mm-hmm. because it is something that's meant to be uh, special, right? At least movies tell me that it has to be at least somewhat spectacular, right? Otherwise, she might say no. You go on YouTube and you look up proposals, you'll see all kinds of videos of, you know, people have produced these these huge sort of events, really, where, you know, you have people running and singing and flash mob style, you know, everybody around is in on the secret, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or you have people who are in like a a stadium filled with 20,000 people just watching all this go down. Right. There's this whole expectation of this huge, grand experience, you know, that defines the moment. Right. So did you have this huge, grand experience that defined your moment? Or no. was it more laid back? No, it was very laid back. Okay. Uh, on our anniversary, Okay. we were at her parents' place. Yes. They had a huge family reunion that they do right before the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And instead of proposing at the event, because that would have put a lot of pressure on it, <laughs> Or before the event, which would have just been a whirlwind, oh my god, this just happened, and then everyone was like, oh my god, this just happened. <laughs> I ended up waiting till after the, the hoopla happened, right? and we just had a kind of a down moment between the two of us. Mm. And she was sort of falling asleep, but I was just sort of, you know, waxing on, you know, life in the future and where we are, and I just said, do you want to get married? In the middle of our, our intimate discussion about the life universe and everything. Did that wake her up? It did. <laughs> she sort of realized as it was about to happen that it was probably happening <laughs> and so she perked right up and was like all right all right all right all right <laughs> all right let's hear from melanie how this uh, event went down how were you proposed to 
So basically it was bedtime and we were going downstairs to bed and I just assumed that we were going to sleep and I was barely awake but Ben was chattering away and I was like, alright, well I guess I should try and pay attention to what he's saying because he's obviously talking to me and even though I'm not fully awake I should pay <laughs> attention to this. And then he starts getting all deep and talking about all these big things and I'm like... This is a really weird conversation for right now. And then he starts talking about never wanting to be apart. And I'm like, is he doing what I think he's about to do? And I <laughs> opened my eyes and he had this ridiculous look on his face. And I'm like, he really is going to do what I think he's going to do right now. And in my head, I was trying really hard not to laugh at him because... Over the last three days, we'd had so many opportunities for this moment, and he didn't we, take we did, we didn't any have of that them. Many. We only had like a couple, really. <laughs> there was no good time, and it was our anniversary. It made sense. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> so you're like, really now, you know, just before I'm going to bed, when I'm tired in bed, <laughs> this is when you're going to propose? <laughs> yeah, and I was half asleep, and I'm like, you okay, I guess I better be awake for this. And he said, do you want to get married? And I was like, yes. And he's like, for realsies? And I'm like, I just said yes. <laughs> I didn't want there to be any confusion, you know, meaning do you want to get married at some point versus do you actually want this to actually be the engagement? To be the engagement, yes. I would say that we had enough of those hypothetical conversations in the past. That you were well prepared. Well, not even that I was well-prepared, but that it was different this time because all the other times it would be like, well, hypothetically speaking, do you want to this? Or hypothetically <laughs> speaking, what about this? Or how do you see this happening in the future? And it wasn't like, it, there was no buildup of I want to be with you forever. All of that stuff that came before he asked, it was pretty obvious that this was like the real question. So is that sort of expected, you know, that I don't want to live without you and, you know, you mean a lot to me. Is that expected before you actually propose? Because I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I need to learn this as well. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be exactly those words, okay. but usually when somebody proposes to another person, they talk about what that person means to them and there, there's some sort of lead up to the question. You don't just, you're not just walking in a park and randomly out of the blue, or you're just like, hey, do you want to get married? Because then the person is like, are, are you serious? Are you joking? You put the person in a really awkward position of trying to figure out whether or not you mean it. Mm. So the buildup, in a way, kind of makes it clear that this is right. your intent and that you're serious about this. And in, in a way, you're almost kind of giving them a reason to say yes. You're, you're, mm. you're showing them how you feel about them so that they want to say yes and they're not just like, oh, there's this random guy <laughs> proposing to me. Why would I say yes to that? But, but no, it, it, it's, it's like a matrimonious uh, sales pitch, basically. Well, well I mean, like, it, this is interesting because you already know in advance, generally, what the answer is, right? You it, might, it, you the, might not. Is the sales pitch necessary at that point? I don't know, like, I guess with Ben and I, like, he had every indication of what the answer would be before he asked the question. He had known what the answer was going to be before he asked the question, like, for two years. Mm -hmm. So there 
should have been, no doubt in his mind, what he was going to get for an answer. So he didn't need a lot of pitch, and he didn't give a lot of pitch. Like, okay. his lead-up was about, you know, the actual serious part lead-up, where I was like, oh my god, he's about to propose, was really only about two or three sentences. It, was, it wasn't very long. It was very short. Right. But I think how much pitch you need to put in there... You know, if you've been talking about it for a while, you probably don't need as much lead up. Well, but if you, I feel like you know, if you're if you've only been dating for six months and all of a sudden you're proposing to this person, you may need to have a little more lead up to give the person time in their head to think about their answer. If you haven't already had that conversation, there's no way you can come up with the answer in a few minutes. You know, in that time, regardless. You know what I mean? Well, no, that's not true because in that. While the person is talking, you will come to feel whether it's right or it's not right. Oh, and then you can kind of get them to stop if it really is, you know. If if you really are thrown out of the blue and you're like, what is going on right now? It gives you a chance to think about, do I want to spend my life with this person? Do I not want to spend my life with this person? Do I maybe want to spend my life with this person, but they're, you know, six months too early for this question right now? Mm-hmm. And so it gives you a moment to figure out how you feel before you have to try and come up with an answer. I also just want to say that even though I pretty much knew what the answer was, unless my radar has been completely off for the last you know, <laughs> number of years, there was still a sense of excitement and uncertainty. And you know, it still got my heart racing, and I was still very nervous about doing it. Mm, I can imagine. Until it's official, it's you can't be super calm because, you know, it's like, you know, uh, when you go to a job interview and then you get a verbal agreement that you'll get the job, you're not yeah. going to be satisfied. You're not going to go and resign from your existing job. So until it's in writing, until it's official, until there's the ring in front of you. Which I did pull out after asking the question to make it super duper official. That's true. Like most people, when they propose, they will pull out the ring first. And oh. there was no ring in his proposal, which... That didn't really surprise me. Like, I had always said, I don't want a diamond, I don't want a diamond. Like, I I watched the movie Blood Diamond, I don't want a diamond, I don't want any part of that. I don't even need a ring, it's a lot of money, spend the money on something more useful than something pretty to put on my hand. But now that I have it, I really love it. He did a great job of picking it up. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to take it off, and I keep forgetting to take it in to get sized. I, I would have considered at the point that I said yes for it to have been official with us like the ring didn't really seal it or unseal it but for I guess for some people that seals the deal can you tell us about your kindergarten students who noticed the ring oh you want me to tell the kindergarten story yes Uh, (laughs) let's hear let's hear Mel's level of experience involving this engagement (laughs) I came back to school the next week and I had been in the school for about two months and I spent every day with this four-year-old boy. Oftentimes he wasn't real confident in this one class so a lot of times he would kind of crawl into my lap or or hold my hand or do something that kind of would reassure him that everything was okay and Mm -hmm. he noticed that there was something on my finger and so he's like oh, you got a new bracelet for your finger. <laughs> and it, it was really cute. And I ended up explaining to him that it's called a ring, but it, it was really a, a fun moment. And then later in the day, another boy, a grade one boy, 
noticed the ring and thought it was pretty and tried to take it off my finger to look at it and get a better look. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> See, us boys, we start young noticing whether a lady has a ring or not, even if we don't quite know what it's called. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a fun experience, and I think you know it was a a really more fun experience having been working with young kids when it happened because if I had been working with teenagers, they wouldn't have noticed, or you know the girls right. probably would have been the ones to notice, and right. they might have said something. But generally, it would have it would have passed, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But we had a couple of really good stories out of the the little guys. The little guys are fun. Well, thank you, Melanie, for coming on the show and sharing your experience. And uh, I, I, I think I have to say that it, it doesn't differ from what you said too, too much. I mean, uh, you know, of course it has to, it, it will obviously differ because, you know, it's a different person, different person's <laughs> point of view. But uh, I, I don't see any contradictions. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to pass the headset back to Ben. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Thanks, Ben. How about you, uh, Prashanta? What? Uh, how have you leveled up lately? So Ben, I have decided to become a better person. Not just better, but one who gets more out of life. Oh, because I was going to say you're a pretty good person to start with. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a great person, but I want to be a more effective person. How, I, how will you accomplish this, and where did this idea come from? Alright, so um, one of the things that I find in life is that sometimes you're uh, you know you have things to do things to accomplish things you know you should do mm-hmm. but you just don't feel the motivation i came across this post on reddit of all that, places <laughs> that was uh, pretty inspirational for me so the quotation goes like this don't rely on motivation for anything it is fleeting and unreliable discipline however is unyielding force yourself to follow through and I thought wow it really spoke to me because I know I've felt that way before you know I know I have uh, thought you know what when I'm more motivated to do this I will do it you know, right. right now I'm just not feeling motivated mm-hmm. when you're waiting for motivation it allows you to make excuses right whereas if you say you know what I need to get this done I'm going to do it you know there is no good time or bad time for discipline whereas you know, there is a good time and bad time for motivation. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you. You know, sometimes you just don't feel motivated, right? And if you wait for the right moment, it might not come very, you know, you might lose a lot of time. You might waste a lot of time just waiting for you to be motivated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you should rely on discipline and not on motivation. Right. It sort of keeps the ball in your court in, in a lot of ways. You're, exactly. you're not waiting for that external factor to, exactly. Exactly. you know, fold so your laundry or Discipline whatever. is all up to you. Right. Uh, motivation isn't really something you can, you know, control like you can control discipline. Right. Right. Uh, sometimes you just don't feel it, you know. And what this is saying is, hey, you know what? Don't wait for you to feel you need to, you know, feel that motivation. Just go and do it, damn it. Mm-hmm. Like Nike. Like, like what Nike said. Just do it. Just do it. So, yeah, I think that has been um, something that has affected my life. Uh, and I would like to be more disciplined this year. Nice. So how have you increased your discipline since reading this uh, this passage? So, for example, um, I uh, sometimes have uh, difficulty getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have sleep issues once in a while. Mm-hmm. 
that used to force me to uh, wake up later and later and later until you get to you know, a ridiculous time, right? So, for example, I used to get to work at 10 o'clock or just past 10, right? Right. And I thought, this is crazy. I need to just be disciplined about when I'm going to leave house. Right. So now I'm much, uh, I've been able to manage to leave the house by nine much more often now. And a part of that is just being able to do it regularly. Yes. If it becomes part of your routine, then you just adapt to it and it becomes something you just do. Right. And I think I've been able to get myself to go to bed on time, you know, get myself not to go on the phone in the morning or on the internet. So I, I have been able to um, do what is right for me because I'm not waiting for motivation. I'm just saying, you know what? Be disciplined, damn it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I commend you for seeing something and letting it affect you and doing something about it. it it's hard to have all three things line up sometimes. That's true. That's you know? true. I, I, well, let, let, let's see how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, I, <laughs> if I'm able to say that I'm still disciplined by the end of the year, then I will have accomplished something. Because, I mean, everybody goes to the gym in January, right? Right. We just went to the rock climbing gym, and it was pretty packed in there. Oh, yeah, that's true. And one of my thoughts was, oh, it must be people who just bought their annual membership, and they're excited to use it, or they are saying, all right, this is the year, I'm going to actually go rock climbing. <laughs> I'm going to be fit, and I'm going to, yeah, right? Yes, right. Yes. So that's seeing some of that in, in action, but the discipline is carrying that through yes. a long period of time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I commend you, and if I can help, just let me know. All right, high five. Sounds good. (laughs) So, kids, be disciplined. (laughs) And that's our words of wisdom. (laughs) You're right, actually. This makes great words of wisdom. So, again, to reiterate, it's... Don't rely on motivation for anything. It's fleeting and unreliable. Discipline, however, is unyielding. Force yourself to follow through. And the credit for this quotation goes to some person on Reddit. Anonymous person. I thought it was Albert Einstein. He he says all the the popular things. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's either Albert Einstein or uh, Abraham Lincoln, now that I think about it. It's one of those two, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, switching gears here, uh, Prashanta, I got a good question for you. Okay. Question? All right. So, would you... Would you rather go back four generations and meet your ancestors, or go forward four generations and meet your descendants? Good question. Just think about that for a moment. So, I only met one of my great-grandparents, mm-hmm. and I suppose I have two parents, four grandparents, and eight great-grandparents. Right. So, I, of those eight, I only met one. I have no kids yet, and I, I do imagine that I will one day, and I imagine that they'll have their own kids, and uh, hopefully I will uh, have my gene survive the next four generations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but would I like to go back and meet my great-grandparents or... Great-great-grandparents. Would it be great-great-grandparents? One, two, three. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So even a, a generation further back than that. Uh, four generations in the past would be great-great-grandparents, not great-grandparents. Right. But would I like to go back or go forward in time? 
See, my uh, initial thought is I want to go forward because I want to see what the world is like. And I can find out what the world is like by interacting with this uh, great-great-grandchild of mine. Yeah. In fact, we can read our history books and we can talk to our parents and grandparents if we had them about how life was like back in the day. But there is no one to talk to and figure out how life will be in the future. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you get that opportunity, why, why not take it? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, because the life in the past could be derived through other means. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I imagine um, going back in time and meeting your great-grandparents uh, would, be, would, would lead to a certain level of trepidation because, you know, you wonder how they will react, you know, how they will react to what you've become. Um, you know, they might not be wholly approving, right? For example, people were very conservative back in the day. You, for example, do eat beef, but, you know, <laughs> your mother is not a beef person, but I don't yeah. think she minds so much. Well, but I, your, your grandparents, and even further, you know, they might ostracize you. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, they wouldn't let me in their house, right. really, you know, if, if, if they knew that I was eating beef, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's a huge deal going... Uh, in that generation. In fact, I'm kind of scared to put this on Facebook now because now people know. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, um, you know, interaction with non-Hindus, that, that would have been a huge deal to them. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all sorts of crazy things, which seem crazy in this day and age. But, you know, th- there's that part that you have to worry about when you go back in time. Uh, but you know what? I think I really would go like to see what the future is like. But I mean, the same thing might happen, right? Going forward. I, I guess you know when you go forward, you might be disappointed to see what your descendants have become. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you think about how everyone is always like, "Oh, those darn teenagers." <laughs> you know, imagine four generations worth. You know, from now, what right. that could be like. And uh, I suppose at least some of them will be successful. And maybe some of them are doing really cool things. Maybe, you know, it's not all disappointment. Right? Maybe. Absolutely. I hope so, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then there's also the fear that they'll be disappointed with you. They'll be like, you came from the generation that, you know, hated people who loved people who were the same sex. You only had, like, two genders. <laughs> right. I, I think uh, that, just like how I can forgive my uh, grandparents for the way they think, Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be forgiven, but I think they might not forgive us for, you know, this inaction regarding climate change, for example. Uh, They're so focused on growth and growth and growth, man. (laughs) Uh, And they may not uh, forgive us for, you know, trying to maintain world population before we got into a, you know, a very dicey situation. Right. For not allocating resources fairly among the, the planet, you know? Right. You know, we or, or, or not quashing some nation while we still had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You never know. <laughs> or, you know, like, just like how we uh, are sometimes disappointed in our parents' generation. Not so much me, because my parents were in Nepal, not here. But, I mean, uh, you know, they had a nice, cushy pension, and there is very, very likely that we won't have the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's because, really, our parents' generations in Canada and the U.S. were living beyond their means. Mm-hmm. You know, they were basically borrowing money, you know, increasing the national debt while living, you know, at a higher standard of living. But then it's fallen onto the kids to take care of the debt. And so, similarly, you know, uh, we, we go four generations in the future and they all have gripes about something for sure. But I guess you want to go there and say, hey, look, 
I tried to do something. I tried it. I tried my best. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's also the idea that if you go backwards in time, you'll see life and people were simple and life was simple. You mm -hmm. got up, you generated your food, you ate your food, you went to bed. Right. It's a very simple life. But we consider that simple today. Imagine four generations from now, what if they consider our life now to be simple? We only had one planet to worry about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, it's not like we're getting smarter. You know, it's just the world is more complex, mm -hmm. right? I think the boundary between a simple life and not a simple life is simply, you know, whether you're an agricultural society or not. You know, as soon as you urbanize now, you have to think about, hey, how do I put food on the table? What if I lose my job, you know? Because you don't have the backup, right? Right. which farm provided you, right? Mm -hmm. So I can see this in Nepal because it's, it's transitioning from a rural to a, a urban society. Right. So, you know, I, I don't think uh, our descendants' lives will be necessarily more complex than ours, unless if we're starting to run out of resources and they're facing the prospect of having to undo the damage that we have done to this world, right? Right. Perhaps in that way it may be more complex. But So what I'm trying to say is, yes, the world is more complex as a whole, but your role in that complex world isn't necessarily more complex. Um, and I don't imagine it's going to be more complex or at least much more complex in four generations. All right. But I would really like to know, you know, whether the world is a better place or a worse place, you know, mm -hmm. whether we've made it to Mars, whether we have a colony in space. Yeah. So really, I would like to go uh, see my, go talk to, to my, to go to the future for sure. There is no question about it. Yeah. I, I think seeing the future would have a greater impact on my life in the present. Right. Like, it would be a really fun to do to actually go and meet someone from four generations ago. And it would be a fantastic experience, but I don't think it would be as life-transforming as being able to see, oh, look, everything has turned out in the end, right. and this is where we're going as a species, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? Right. Even though I must point out that the Vulcan Science Directorate has determined that time travel is impossible. <laughs> so there's no real way to do it. <laughs> but given the choice, I think I would rather go ahead and, and meet my descendants rather than my ancestors. No, yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. Do you think other people might want to go back in time? Maybe they never got some time with their... I guess nobody really grows up with their great-great-grandfather or grandmother, right? No, I mean, there might be, like, rare instances, but... Right. I, I wonder if there are some instances when people do want to go back. Oh, I'm sure there are, especially if uh, you're a history buff or something like that. Mm, right. You have some really weird uh, family mysteries you want maybe un uncovered that might be more important to you. Well, let's ask our listeners, what would they do? Yeah. What would you do? Would you rather go four generations in the past or four generations into the future? Meet your descendants or meet your ancestors? Yeah, come uh, come check us out on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash weare2peas. That's the numeral two. P-E-A-S. And uh, a sound off. You can also visit us on our website. Yeah, check out the website, weare2peas.ca. You'll be able to catch this show and any other show that we've uh, recorded. And from there, you'll also be able to uh, launch off to all of our other social channels. And with that, we bid the adieu. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great show. And let's congratulate Ben on his wedding again. My engagement. Oh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm and not married yet. <laughs> That's a whole other show. So how about we uh, congratulate Ben on his engagement? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I would like to congratulate you on your newfound discipline. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will say goodbye again. <laughs> <laughs>